Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a Buddhist-oriented path to recovery from addictions. For more information, please visit us at refugerecovery.org. Okay. Welcome, everyone. Um, We'll see how well this works today. I am traveling and um, uh, don't have the best Wi-Fi where I'm at. So it might be choppy. I might come in and out, we'll see. Uh, But I wanted to try to show up for the Sangha um, and do this uh, from the the road. I'm actually in Bali, Indonesia and uh, it's 8 a.m tomorrow, (laughs) uh, where I am, it's 8 a.m. on Friday, it's Thursday, 5 p.m. on the Pacific time. So welcome, and just a reminder to everybody, this is an offering uh, teacher-led from Refuge Recovery World Services, different than a Refuge Recovery meeting, which are peer-led, uh, I'm going to share some meditation instructions and some teachings, and then um, maybe we'll have some time for some Q&A, depending on how the uh, connection holds up and how well it works. Uh, if I'm in and out and you get frustrated because you can't really hear me, feel free to log out <laughs> and uh, join us again next month, where I'll be back in uh, in the States at my meditation center and the connection will be strong. The topic for this this talk and meditation uh, is is kind of about acceptance. Um, Acceptance as uh, a recovery skill, a life skill, but uh, you know, something that is so necessary and challenging for aspect of our our recovery Um, and acceptance as a foundation of not being in denial about what's happening or not uh, rejecting what's happening, Uh, accepting. uh, One of my favorite Buddhist teachers, Buddhist monks, um, who's one of the most senior monks in the Thai forest tradition. He says, you know, he's like 50, 60 years into to being a monk. And, and he says um, all the time, he says, the Dharma is so simple. Practicing the Dharma is so simple. It's just uh, understanding that right now it's like this. So take a moment to just If you understand that right now, it, our reality, our emotions, our mind, our cravings, our aversions, our fears, our sensations, our surroundings, our internet connection (laughs) right now, this is the way it is. And the more, and that's acceptance, accepting right now, this is what's happening, it's what I'm feeling, it's what I'm hearing, it's what I'm seeing, smelling, tasting, it's what emotions are arising in my heart, what thoughts are coming through my mind, or maybe my mind is perseverating or obsessing or even craving. And there's an acceptance and a mindfulness which brings awareness, a wakefulness to what's happening in the present right now. Often what's happening in the present is about the future. My mind is worried or I'm resentful about the past or the future. I'm afraid. I'm whatever is arising. So I want to you know, groundwork, acceptance. Acceptance does not mean, right now it's like this, does not mean 
in uh, um, that there's not sometimes the term that means I don't have to do anything about it. I just accept, you know, my situation and I'm just going to wallow in it. <laughs> I accept that I'm an addict and I'm not going to do anything about it. It's, you know, we accept in, in refuge, we talk about part of the first noble truth is accepting the, that uh, our addiction has created all of this extra suffering in our life. Breaking the denial, the minimalization, the rationalization, we accept. Yeah, my, my repetitive satisfying of my cravings has created more and more suffering for me. Running from my pain has created more and more pain for me. But we don't just stop in that like, okay, cool. I, now I accept it and I'm just gonna keep doing it. We accept it and then we take action. So acceptance as the foundation of it's like this dot, 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 and it's calling for whatever we're experiencing is calling for have a of wisdom responses that Buddhism teaches us to uh, respond with, to, to, to understand and to, to develop the, the skill of accepting pain when life is painful. Yep, this is painful. This is a painful experience, thought, feeling, emotion, interaction. It's painful accepting that, yep, naming it, understanding it. And then the response has to become compassion, has to become mercy and forgiveness and compassion, which is so radically different than the normal human way, which is, oh, it's painful. I fucking hate it and I'm resented and I'm going to try to get rid of it obliterate it, kill it. So compassion as the wise response. And then when life is pleasant, uh, it gets quite tricky, accepting like, wow, right now it's like this and it's so good, so pleasant. This is amazing. But mindfulness teaches us that this is impermanent. And I think that as addicts, we, you know, this may or may not resonate for you, but that as addicts so often, um, we're, we're extra attached, extra controlling, clinging to uh, not very good at non-attachment, not very good at letting go. And so when it's pleasant, how often are we creating suffering? for ourselves by clinging to it, by trying to control it and not accept that it's very pleasant. And part of it's like this is it's impermanent. And so the wise response being non-attached appreciation, learn to appreciate and enjoy and experience the appropriate pleasures of the life in recovery, not the pleasure of drugs and, you know, alcohol or the, you know, the healthy ordinary pleasures of a human nervous system and heart and mind. They can experience a tremendous amount of joy free from intoxication. The third uh, part of acceptance, and right now it's like this. How often is something happening and you're suffering about it 
because you're taking it really personal and your mind is telling you this is all about me and this is what people think about me and this is uh you know this is me i me mine the more we develop mindfulness the more we wake up and accept oh my mind is self-centered but it's my mind is not who i am the ego is part of the human experience it's a natural part of having a brain and a body <laughs> but the more we do mindfulness the more we see it's not actually who i am it's just part of what i'm aware of so right now it's like this calls for compassion calls for non-attached appreciation and also calls for not taking it personal understanding that our self-centered human tendency is not our fault even the i the me the mind not your fault it's just what the human brain does it's part of our survival instinct it's biological evolution all of that reasons behind our self-centeredness but in our recovery and in our buddhist practice mindfulness a deepening of wisdom we accept that we are self-centered creatures and then we become less and less identified with the self-centered mind right now it's like this i'm taking something personal again big surprise of course i am it's just what the mind does and what a relief from suffering it is to have a little bit of a sense of humor about our self-centeredness and and a little bit of space and i feel like this is the right now it's like this self-centeredness aversion craving of course what's it calling for understanding impermanence non-attachment let go understanding that compassion is the goal life is unavoidably unpleasant at times learning mercy and compassion acceptance and forgiveness all of these tools that we have that the dharma offers us and the path of refuge recovery which gives us this amazing map this path eightfold path of how to navigate our lives reality the world recovery but the foundation of it has to be accepting reality as it is even though there's some really disturbing aspects of reality that we want to avoid some really disturbing uh traumatic experiences of our own past that we don't really want to allow into reality but are part of our reality and so we're turning towards turning towards right now it's like this in my heart in my mind in my life my surroundings and sometimes it's quite pleasant and sometimes it's quite unpleasant and often it's a bit boring isn't it <laughs> it's not that exciting all of the, the dilemmas of drugs and alcohol and behaviors that were like intense and then you get sober and you're like wow like it's just not that intense <laughs> it's just not that exciting to be a human Let me go find some trouble. <laughs> okay. So, let's meditate together around acceptance and around this I'll give some mindfulness instructions and hopefully you can hear me. I I hear some people saying I'm a bit garbage. 
world. Uh, um, your meditation right now, it's like this. You're just thinking about the future. Right now, it's like this, breathing in. When your mind starts thinking about the past, come back right now, it's like this, breathing out, feeling your body in the chair, the cushion, wherever you're sitting. Come back to that present time reality. Someone's telling me to turn off the video. I'll do that. I'll turn off the video during this meditation. Hopefully the instructions will be better. So find a way to sit that's upright and relaxed. Allowing your eyes to be closed, your jaw to release, your shoulders to soften. Feel the sensation that the breath creates as you breathe in through your nostrils. And as you breathe out, soften your belly. With each exhale, releasing tension, softening the belly as an act of acceptance. Tension is in some way a physical resistance, softening an act of acceptance. So use this phrase, right now it's like this, as a investigation. What are you aware of here and now in your body as you soften your torso? If you become aware of some pain in your body, inclining your heart towards friendliness, acceptance of that pain rather than rejection, some level of mercy and compassion towards discomfort. Right now it's like this, and it's all impermanent. It's all changing, arising, passing, sensations, emotions, sounds, thoughts.
whatever your mind is doing when it wanders into the future or the past. Just meeting it with the acceptance of right now it's like this, thinking about the future. Right now it's like this, mind re reminiscing, reflecting, resenting. can use this acceptance investigation also towards the feeling tone, second foundation. Right now, it's like this and it feels feelings changing, rising and passing. Right now it's like this, and our hearts and our minds investigate your present time experience, not just the breath, but your whole being. Thoughts arising and passing, emotions, sensations. 
the sounds, the smells, the tastes. This human condition that we take so personally, we become so identified with how our mind functions, self-centeredness, the fear. On one level is experience and on another level it's just the human experience not your fault that you love pleasure and you hate pain your mind's tendency towards aversion clinging not your fault, but mindfulness gives us the awareness to change our relationship to this craving, the self-centeredness, and these aversions, resentments, suffering.
Right now it's like this, the first foundation for the body, the second foundation for the feeling tone of our experience. Right now it's like this in the mind. And right now it's like this for the fourth foundation. As we explore, investigate, accept what's happening in our experience, whether there's craving, suffering, the hindrances of doubt. Sloth, torpor, just accepting ourselves just as we are, our experience just as it is, pleasant or unpleasant. And at times we become aware that there's joy present right now. It's joyous. It's peaceful, tranquil. Sometimes even when the mind is agitated, there can still be a great peace in the awareness that the mind is just one of the aspects of our experience, not so identified with them, just agitated mind met with acceptance. And when you're ready, you can come back, opening your eyes, adding seeing to your awareness, adding moving, stretching, whatever feels good to you. Did Turning off the video helped the audio be a bit more clear. Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. Well, I'll just I'll just leave it off then. Um, so that was really thank you. Welcome. Very welcome. So <clears throat> acceptance. Right now, it's like this as a recovery tool. Um, it seems like most of the time we're suffering uh, about not, not accepting what's happening or you know, maybe accepting what's happening, but not, not yet having the uh, skill to respond wisely to what's happening. And there is this dilemma for us in recovery and I think in refuge. Um, where you know, right? You've read the book. <laughs> you, you, you heard, you know, you know the teachings and you know, compassion is the right thing to do. And non-attachment is the right thing to do. But the conditioned habits of, of clinging and aversion are way stronger than the knowledge that we have. Uh, and so this is where recovery takes uh, time and persistent effort to meditate, to train the mind. Uh, and, and it gets, you know, uh, Ajahn Samedo, you know, saying like, oh yeah, it's just like, it's so simple. <laughs> it just, you know, right now it's like this, it's so simple. Easy to say after you've been meditating 
24 seven for 50 years. <laughs> not so easy in the beginning of recovery. Not so easy when it's like, yeah, I, I, it sounds good, but I can't fucking do it yet. I take it all personal and I hate and I crave and, and I'm trying, right? And so that's what we're doing. We're here and we're trying and, you know, progress for most people is a very gradual process of becoming more and more accepting and less and less reactive and more and more responsive in a wise way. So I'm going to leave it there um, as far as what I have to say for today. Uh, if there's any questions, I'll take a couple questions and then I'm going to end a little bit early and uh, get back to my uh, adventures over here with my family. So if you have a question, you can raise your hand in the reactions uh, bar down there at the, at the bottom. Um, and I'd be happy to try to chat with a couple of you before I go. Isabel, did you try to raise your hand? It went up and down. Okay. Yeah, they did. Uh, okay, go ahead. You go first, and then I'll go um, to Michael. Um, yeah, I just um, was wondering if you um, could speak a little bit to, um, there's this thing that I've learned about um, with cannabis use that is called, you can get rebound anxiety. Like if you, if you do it, if you do it to kind of, uh, you know, relieve anxiety and then you, you over, overdo it, it'll cause you to have more anxiety. Do you know anything about that? I don't. Or have you heard of that? Nope. Not, not really aware of it. And cannabis is a, is a tricky thing, you know, when we're in a abstinence, you know, based program. And, you know, we recently released this, you know, thing about, you know, prescription, um, you know, meds. And it's quite tricky, you know, something like cannabis, where, uh, you know, does absolutely have some medicinal qualities for, for people. Um, but it's also been so many people's drug of choice. And it's such a tricky way to, to treat uh, something like, I think you were talking about using it for anxiety, but I don't, I don't know anything about what you're referring to. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I, I use it a lot for, um, I tend to, when I do my yoga practice, it really helps me to stretch better and to feel more grounded and stuff. And, um, I just, I'm really, I'm, I'm doing it less and trying to just, you know, take hot baths and just do yoga without it some of the days. Um, but it does definitely help me feel, get more of a deeper uh, yoga practice. Um, I don't use it a lot. I just use, you know, a little bit, but just enough to get my body really relaxed. And uh, I'm, I'm beating myself up about it ever since I, I did your, your workshop your uh, retreat I just you know whenever I go to use it I'm like no don't use it and it's like there's this aversion and it's like just kind of keeping an eye on that <laughs> so anyways I think the anxiety that I have is more related to my thoughts and how I the reactive mind spins out with them so I'm doing a lot more sitting and retreats to kind of get more focused on that yeah yeah I mean of course you have to find your own way with with it, um, you know, in refuge, we are encouraging people to maintain total abstinence, um, you know, that this is what the Buddha taught about this path to awakening to be completely abstinent from any kind of recreational uh, use. And um, so you have to find your own way with that, Isabel, but nice to see you. And you're, of okay. course, welcome here. Um, and uh, see you next time. All right. Thank you. 
Michael, you put your hand down, but did you still have a question or were you, did it? Uh, you could let Ken ask a question. If there's time, I'll uh, ask. Okay. okay, Ken, go ahead. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your meditation session and your holding these calls the first Thursday of every month. My question is a practical one. I hope that this is not the wrong venue, but what I've been floundering with is trying to find Sangha within the uh, refuge recovery community. I've been trying to find community in New York we have no in-person meetings. It's all online. It's uh, I've been floundering in trying to find Sangha and a community of people that I could meet outside the rooms, meet with outside the rooms and share thoughts and experiences. And I was wondering whether you had any specific counsel or direction. Um, perhaps others on the call may have the same question. Ken, are you in New York City? I am in Manhattan, yes. Yeah. Um, do you ever have any uh, interaction with the Dharma Punks group out there with Josh Korda? The Dharma, say it again, the Dharma. Dharma New, NYC Dharma Punks. Dharma Punks, P-U-N-X? Yeah. No, I did not. Josh Korda is um, a, a meditation teacher that I trained and he took over the groups that I led in New York. Um, and it continues to be a, quite a large Sangha. Uh, he and his wife run the community. They're both in recovery. They're both, you know, were part of refuge when the refuge meetings were happening in New York. Uh, it's a pretty big, but not fully recovery Sangha. So that might be a place to start. And then the other, I don't know how long you're in recovery, but um, you know, basically it just, somebody needs to get those, those city meetings going again. They just haven't gotten going post COVID. Uh, and somebody just needs to step up. And once the meetings get going in New York, refuge was going really strong in New York. Just nobody has restarted them post COVID. So, uh, if you feel motivated, I don't know, you know, if you have the time and energy, but those and refuge meetings in New York will go again. Noah, I apologize so much for interrupting. Um, but if you look at the chat, Ken, there's links in there for Dharma, Dharma punks. I don't think that you saw it. I did not. Let me see Dharma. Oh, there it is. Dharma punks NYC. I mean, it's not refuge. It's, you know, so I'm like, I'm not like as refuge. I'm not kind of. But on a personal level, um, you could check that out for some Sangha and they're mostly recovery people, but it's, it's different than Refuge. Thank you, thank, thank you very much. I will start there. And the name of the fellow is again, I guess I'll find that when I go to Dharma Punks in New York City. Thank you very much. It's a starting point. And I would start a meeting, but I'm not far enough into my recovery maybe to um, be worthy of uh, of doing it, but maybe I can if I can connect with a couple of people in Dharma Punks in New York City, and maybe together a couple of us can. Uh, I'd be willing to put in the legwork. Um, Absolutely. Can... Okay. Okay, Thank so I'm going to take that. You're welcome. Good to see you, Ken. Brenda, last one, and then I'm going to tune out. Okay. Well, thanks for taking my last question. Uh, and thank you for the um, for this for everything that you just said. And and I'm I'm new to this. And thanks for the meditation as well. So my question is um, sort of twofold. The first one is um, so I have like 53 days, and um, I had 27 years of sobriety, and then I went out for a year, and now I have 53 days. And um, so I'm working the steps in AA but I'm having a really hard time with the God concept and higher power. So then I had read your book a million years ago. And so <laughs> I tuned into the different meetings. So refuge recovery meetings, and I was so relaxing and it, it really meets me, but I, I just am worried that I'm 
somehow not going to stay sober because I'm not doing the AA thing because I did stay sober for so long before in AA. So that's the first question. And then the second one is I live in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, and I live in Marin, which is right next to Spirit Rock. And I was wondering if I go to Spirit Rock, um, if it will work with Dharm, with this group. Um, and if there are major differences, is that too much, too big of a question or two? No, no, it's all, it's all good. I like, I like the question. Um, of course, we get conditioned in the 12 step world that it's the only way. <laughs> and it's can be quite challenging. I need to laugh on that one too. <laughs> um, it can, you know, so of course that conditioning is there. And on some level that was true, you know, when they started 90 years ago, it was, you know, it was the only way, you know, that, that anybody sort of had any success at treating alcoholism. Um, that's no longer true, but that conditioning for people like me and you for the last 30 years that have been hearing that and many people that are listening to this, um, that conditioning is strong. Uh, there is, um, we, you know, Refuge has now been, we're a little over eight years, and there are a whole bunch of people that have only used Refuge Recovery and are having successful multiple years of recovery through this modality and don't mess with the 12-step modality at all. Uh, I am completely confident that the Buddha's path is a viable path to recovery. Um, fellowship and Sangha is really important. You know, and even in the refuge book, I said, uh, you know, when I was starting this thing, I was like, well, look, if you don't have song, you know, you need community. So if you don't have it in, in a Buddhist world, go to 12 step, go to meditation centers like the one you're mentioning, find people to support you. Um, there's nothing like other alcoholics and addicts supporting each other. Um, over at those meditation centers, most of those people don't understand addiction. Uh, most of them aren't practicing abstinence, uh, even though they're very nice Buddhists. <laughs> you know, they're still having wine with their dinner when they're out in Marin. You'll see them. <laughs> you know, um, you know, and so there's there can be a, something missing from. Uh, just hanging out with the Buddhists. And there can be something missing from just hanging out with uh, the 12 steppers that, that are too theistic for us sometimes and don't quite understand forgiveness and compassion in this kind of Buddhist context. So that's where really developing a refuge recovery Sangha is gonna be key. Um, there's a bunch of meetings in the Bay Area but I don't know if there's any in Marin right now. There used to be Petaluma. There used to be, there's several in the city. Uh, um, but post COVID, you know, refuge is a bit of a mess. You know, a lot of the meetings went away and they haven't come back. And we're still sort of like uh, online is the strongest Sangha right now. You know, like the most people are doing it this way through Zoom. Uh, but the in-person Sanghas are very, important. And so, um, you know, my, I don't know if I answered your question or not, but my sense is that like, yep, my, and my own experience uh, is that, uh, you know, I did 12 step and, and, and meditation centers and retreats. And until I, until we created this, you know, and, uh, and I love having this, but that worked for me, uh, having the, the, those recovery community and the Buddhist community. So, you know, it is possible, but my sense is that it, when we can get this all in the same place and have this conversation uh, with each other that are practicing the same principles rather than practicing different principles, it's amazing. So, uh, maybe, uh, uh, Brenda, maybe you'll get some refuge meetings going over there and welcome back, you know. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. yeah, welcome back. Thank you. And yeah, and doing some retreats is, and that's actually where I want to end, uh, is that, you know, doing retreats is a central part of 
Buddhist practice and refuge recovery practice. And um, we have two more refuge recovery retreats this year, uh, a, well, three, but one is sold out. So um, there's one, a weekend retreat in Massachusetts, September 16th through 18th. I wanna invite you all to come to, if you don't know about it, um, it's on the website. Think about coming to that weekend retreat in Massachusetts. And then there's a seven day retreat, which is almost full, but there's a few more spots uh, in Taos, New Mexico in November. So if you uh, wanna do a retreat with me, a refuge recovery retreat this year, think about coming to one of those. Uh, Michelle, thank you for posting those in the chat. There's links to those retreats. There's also a link to Donna. Um, I don't receive the donations that you might give, you know, for this first Thursday talk. They all go to Refuge Recovery World Services to support the nonprofit organization. <clears throat> Please be generous um, if you can, if you have the means to, to support and to make offerings, please do so. Uh, I do this uh, out of my own practice. This is my Donna to you, and you can give your Donna to World Services <laughs> if you'd like to. So I'm going to leave it there for today. Sorry about the garbled audio and the lack of video. Um, I'll be back uh, and see you on the first Thursday of next month. And uh, may any goodness that comes from our practice be shared with all the suffering addicts in this world. And together may we recover and together may we create a positive change on this planet. Thank you. Thanks for hanging in there. Peace out. Refuge Recovery is freely offered. If you'd like to make a donation to support us, you may do so by following the link in the episode notes. We appreciate your generosity.